It's time for the latest buzz on pets from around the corner, down the block, and across the world with award-winning journalist, author, speaker, educator, and host, Arden Moore. Arden has twice been named by Oprah Winfrey as one of her top three pet hosts. The New York Times has named Arden one of their top ten hosts. And just this year, the Dog Writers Association of America has given this show, Four-Legged Life, its top radio award. Arden is driven to live her motto, bringing out the best in pets and their people. So snuggle up with your favorite fur baby, because it's time for another episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. And we'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Tevra Pet, for a happier and healthier pet. Online at tevrapet.com. And also our good friend Janice at Save My Pet ID Tag. Your pets are never alone when you own Save My Pet ID Tag. Online at savemypetidtag.com. Pause up, pet pals. Welcome to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. Yep, I'm your host, Arden Moore. Now, don't you wish your dog could live a long, long, long life? I mean, maybe if you named your puppy Methuselah, you might have a chance, but I think that's just wishful thinking. So what is the secret to healthy aging in our dogs? Here with answers today on our show is one remarkable veterinarian. He is an international best-selling author. He was voted America's favorite veterinarian, and oh yeah, he was named Holistic Practitioner of the Year. You know what's coming. Bow, wow, that's a lot. Please welcome to the show, the one, the only, Dr. Gary Richter. Hey, welcome. Welcome, Dr. Gary. You ready for this? I am so ready. Thanks for having me. I want to say pause and applause You wrote a must-get book back in 2017. It was called The Ultimate Pet Health Guide. You are also the founder. I love this word. He's got a a preference for this word. Ultimate Pet Nutrition. (laughs) We got the ultimates in there. And now, hot off the press, you have not one, but two books out. Dr. Gary, go ahead and shout out the titles. Longevity for dogs and longevity for cats. Perfect. All right. For this episode, let's talk about dogs. And I, I went through the book. I got to tell you, there's some big words in here that I that I actually use explained easily. But you take a holistic and integrative approach to keeping our dogs living long lives. Maybe a generation ago, what do you think the life expectancy was for dogs? And what do you have any knowledge of what it is today? Well, I mean, you know, life expectancy for dogs, as you know, is 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 pretty dependent sort of on breed and size and that sort of thing. But there has been a trend, you know, over the years that in many cases, dogs' lifespans seem to be getting shorter. You know, and and there there's there's undoubtedly a a a very long list of reasons why that is. Some of it may have to do with breeding. I think a lot of it has to do with environment and nutrition. I don't think that, you know, certainly the environment that all of us live in is problematic, particularly those of us who live in, you know, in urban areas where there may be a lot of exposure to toxins, that sort of thing. And really, you know, I think that I, I think you can't, you can't overstate the importance of the nutritional situation when it comes to animals. You know, that is, 
in my opinion, the single biggest problem that that we're facing when it comes to our pets and quite frankly, ourselves is, is you know what, at the end of the day, you can have the best health care and take all the best supplements. But but, you know, if you or your pet are not getting an optimal diet, it, it you're, you're building a house on a foundation of sand. It's just not going to work. Well, you you do have a pyramid in your book. And at the base, the biggest, of course, is nutrition. Yeah. I want to dive into that a little deeper in a second, but you also pointed out that there was a dog, according to the Guinness people, that was 30 years, eight months. That was supposedly the oldest dog, but you personally cared for a, a client's dog, a chihuahua. Do you remember how old that dog was? Yeah, I mean, I believe that little dog made it to 22, 23. Wow. In that neighborhood, yeah. So, I mean, that's always impressive when you see little dogs or any dog get to that age. And it's always an interesting conversation to have with people about sort of what they have either done or haven't done to to achieve those kinds of results. So at the beginning of the book, Longevity for Dogs, and I'm going to say the subtitle because I think it's important, everybody. It's a holistic, individualized approach to helping your canine companion live longer and healthier. I like the fact that you brought in folks from the human medicine world and the fact that longevity science, it's starting to be a hot topic, isn't it, for both people and pets? Oh, yeah. it's uh, Longevity science is, is really cutting edge when it comes to medical research right now. Not surprisingly, most of that research is human-focused. You know, the the funny thing about veterinary medicine, as you well know, is is sort of from a from a medicine and technology perspective, veterinary medicine has a tendency to run maybe ten or twenty years behind human medicine, you know, on uh, with with any given topic. So, you know, this longevity topic for me is really exciting because this is a moment that we can sort of turn the tables a little bit in the sense that this is all so new in human medicine that we can bring this in on the veterinary side as well. And we can kind of do this simultaneously. And on some level, we actually have more leeway to do this in animals first, just because of the regulatory environment. You know, we just have a lot more flexibility in how we can help our pets more so than perhaps even your physician does when it comes to us. So when you hear this phrase, age is not a disease. What's your response? What's your reaction? What what's your take on that phrase? You know what? That was that was a phrase that was drilled into me and my classmates when I was in veterinary school. Age is not a disease. And and that that has has forever been the approach of Western medicine is that we can talk about cancer and heart disease and kidney disease and all these other various specific diseases, but age is just sort of this inevitability that happens. Okay. And because of that, you know, there hasn't really been any any real concerted effort or thought put into can we cure aging? Because it's not a disease, it's just a thing that happens. As as the science has matured and you know this is discussed in detail in the books is we now have what have been termed the hallmarks of longevity. And what this means is These are the very specific cellular and chemical processes that happen in the body that lead to the body aging and deteriorating and ultimately dying. And now that we're understanding the mechanics of how those processes work, 
Now we're starting to understand the mechanics of how to intervene and, and slow or even potentially reverse those processes. So all of a sudden, we can look at aging as a disease process in so much as it's not just some vaporous magic that happens behind the yeah. scenes. It's a very specific set of processes that happen, just like, for example, when a person gets heart disease, there are very specific things that are happening in the heart that cause the heart to deteriorate and, and stop functioning. And we yeah. will take action to, to stop or reverse that. Now we can do that on the aging front as well. And that is going to completely change the picture of how we approach this entire process that we call aging. Hey, everybody, we're speaking with Dr. Gary Richter. He's a genius. He's a caring veterinarian. He's a best-selling author, and he wants our pets to live long, healthy lives. He's got two books out, Longevity for Dogs, Longevity for Cats. I know you you have a Dr. Dr. Gary Richter, R-I-C-H-T-E-R, and also ultimatepetnutrition.com. I want people to, to check out. We're going to take a, a quick break, and when we come back, the good doctor is going to give us a menu for how we can uh, help our pet. So sit, stay. We'll be right back. This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. And now you never have to miss not even one second of any episode. Why? We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. <laughs> Bringing out the best in pets and their people, this is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. Welcome back to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I'm talking with Gary Richter. He is an outstanding veterinarian and the author of a book you must get your paws on, Longevity for Dogs. Let's continue. So you have some villains you want people to know about so that we can sidestep them so our dogs can become the Betty Whites, the Bob Barkers of their species. And oxidative stress, inflammation from food, and the gut microbiome. I don't want this to sound like a, a professor lecture course, but when people hear the phrase oxidative stress, what does that mean and how does that relate to getting their pet healthy? Sure. And, and you know, w without kind of getting into the, you know, the, yeah. the, the real <laughs> nitty gritty of it, there are processes that happen in the body that cause damage to the cells within the body. Yep. Some of that is just part of our natural body processes. In, in other words, just, you know, our natural metabolism, the way our cells work, create byproducts that can be toxic, such as oxidants. So everybody's heard of antioxidants, right? So our right. body produces antioxidants. Many of us take antioxidants as supplements. There are antioxidants in food. And what these are is these are natural counterbalances to the processes that naturally occur in our body. So there's a balance between, between oxidation and, and, and antioxidants. But what happens is, is when, when we're eating the wrong things or living the wrong lifestyle or being exposed to certain chemicals or toxins, that level of oxidation in our body goes up dramatically and it starts causing damage at a cellular and even a subcellular, a DNA level. And yeah, those are the bad. things that promote aging. 
cellular damage, DNA damage, all the kinds of things that mean every time your cells replicate, the cells that they're creating are not as functional as the ones that came before them. With each successive step, what winds up happening is, is the body functions less and less efficiently, and that is effectively what aging is. So balancing that level of oxidation through diet, lifestyle, supplements, medication, you brought up gut health. You yeah. know, the other thing, the other huge That's thing. That's a big happened. one because I went to Global Pet Expo and I think the buzzword was microbiome. Sure. Yeah. I mean, microbiome refers to the population of bacteria and microorganisms that live in our gastrointestinal tract. A lot of people may not realize that 70% of our immune system lives in our gastrointestinal tract. So oh, when our gut is not healthy, our immune system is not healthy, and thus we are not healthy. So maintaining an appropriate level and spectrum of, of, micro, of microorganisms in the gut is critically important to good health. Needless to say, diet has a lot to do with that. Medications have a lot to do with that. You know, Indiscriminate use of antibiotics can absolutely destroy the microbiome. Certain foods we eat will promote the wrong type of bacteria growing in our gut. And, and just to make things even more interesting, there's a whole process in the body that is referred to as the gut-brain axis. And that is the direct connection that happens between what's going on in our gut and what's going on in our brain. So for example, in humans, there are now direct links that have been made between poor gut health and diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. So, so gut issues lead to major medical issues that are not necessarily thought of as gut diseases. We're talking with Dr. Gary Richter. Why did you even become a veterinarian? Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> you could have been a human cardiologist. You could have been a truck driver. What was it that you picked veterinary medicine? You know what? I think it was a, it was sort of a combination of factors in my life. I've always been an animal person. You know, I was that kid where if you if when I was a kid, if you put me in a room full of people and there was a dog, I would go hang out with the dog. Um, the the iron the irony is is that you know all these decades later, I'm kind of still that person. Put me in a yeah. room full of people I don't know, and I'll go hang out with the dog. So so I've always had that connection with animals, and I've always been sort of a fan of science and biology and the natural world and how things work, you know, the order of nature, if you will. So uh, so it, it just sort of felt like a natural progression for me to go in this direction. Well, I'm glad you followed your gut and I hope your gut is healthy. That's what I'm hoping. Thank you. <laughs> Let's get into nutrition. And, and that can be sometimes uh, a little controversial uh, topic. I say people, when you talk about pets and food, it's almost like you're talking religion and politics at the same time. There might be a food fight, but we've got a guy with a DVM after his name. We have a gentleman here that is has operates Ultimate Pet Nutrition. And I humbly have written the pet nutrition column for Catster and Dogster for the past eight years. So I get to learn a lot from people like yourself. Let's get into kibble. Kibble for 200, Dr. Richter, your take. Do we have to get into kibble? Sure. So here, it, it, let, let me just sort of make it, I want to make it fairly, fairly simple. I think when you think about nutrition, regardless of whether it's a person or an animal, the best way to think about it is if you think about the body as a biological machine, that machine 
evolved to thrive on certain nutrients. So, well, you know, clearly, clearly a dog's optimal spectrum of nutrients is different than a cat, is different than a person, but we all have an optimal spectrum of nutrients that our biological machines are made to thrive on. No biological machine evolved to thrive on food that came out of a bag or a can. So I think that is something that I hope that everybody can agree on. Uh, and when you look at kibble or canned food, there is no way around the fact that what you're talking about is highly processed food. If you're going right. to take fresh food ingredients and you're going to make them shelf stable for two plus years, you have to do stuff to that food. And generally speaking, that stuff is not to the benefit of the person or the animal that's eating that food. The, the reality is, is dry food and canned food exist for one reason, and that reason is our convenience. It was never about what's best for the animal. No matter what the pet food companies tell you, that's never right. what it's been about. It's always been about what's convenient and affordable. So the bottom line is, is we all know for our own health and wellness, the more fresh whole foods we're eating and the less processed food, the better. And it's common sense for everybody. But for some reason, most people, and, uh, and it pains me to say this, most veterinarians will recommend that you feed your dog dry food or canned food, highly processed food that comes with all of the baggage, all of the potentially inflammatory and cancer-causing compounds that we know occur in processed food, and in many cases are occurring in dramatically higher levels than most people are eating on a day-to-day -day basis. And yet so that's what we're asking our dogs to eat every day and then everybody scratches their head down the road and wonders why all these dogs are getting cancer and chronic inflammatory disease and are aging before their time. Hey, pet pals, we're going to continue talking with Dr. Gary Richter after this break. So sit, purr, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life Show. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I'm talking with Gary Richter. He is an outstanding veterinarian and the author of a book you must get your paws on, Longevity for Dogs. Let's continue. In fairness to the veterinarians, because the vet schools, you're packed with a lot of curriculum, and I wish they would spend more time on nutrition it's people like yourself that taken an integrative, holistic approach that have gone back and done more schooling that are really learning and being able to share the benefits of whole food being served to our pets. And it's economics, too. There's some folks that don't have a big paycheck. They haven't won that lottery. So is there some things, let's go for the people that may not be wealthy. Is there sure. some little things you can do? that could up the quality and the digestibility of food for their dogs? Is there yeah, toppers? I mean, there absolutely is. And I, and I fully recognize the fact that, free, that feeding a dog a fresh whole food diet can be financially challenging, especially if you have a large dog or more than one large yeah. dog. It, it can be daunting. So I think step one is realize that, again, like look at it through the lens of, of us as people. You know, I do my best to eat as much fresh, healthy food as I can. That doesn't mean that every single meal I eat is perfectly balanced fresh food. And it may be that I go out and, you know, eat 
I'm going to use the term garbage food from time to time. Just because I eat junk food from time to time does not mean that I should throw out the rest of my diet and say, oh, what's the difference? So right. we need to look at that with our pets as well. The bottom line is, is feed your pet as much fresh whole food as you can and feed the rest the highest quality commercially made canned or kibble that that you can. So it's, you know, the, 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 the reality here is, is that whatever you're going to do for your pet, whether it's nutrition or lifestyle or supplements or whatever, whatever you're going to do, it has to be sustainable for you to do it. If it's something right. that you're going to do for a week and then give up because it's too hard or too expensive or too problematic, we're not actually doing your pets any favors. So what we have to do is we have to get creative and figure out what, what works in your real world. So if that means feed some fresh food and some canned or kibble, then so be it. We do, you know, and you know, we all have to live in reality and do what we can. And I've kind of gone through this in the books, giving yeah. people some strategies on how you can do this like to, the, to, to your pet's best benefit. And in my household, we got married. We have, we brought the families together, the four-leggers. So we have four cats, two dogs. We call it the furry Brady Bunch. How's that? And we include sodium-free bone broth as a topper for all our pets. And sometimes we make it and sometimes we get it, but we read the label carefully. So that is not expensive, but what's the, what's the Benny for that? Yeah, I mean, bone broth can be incredibly healthy. It's got great collagen. It's got great nutrients in there. Like you say, it's not particularly expensive. The one caveat I would throw out there as it pertains to bone broth is it is really important that it's organic. Okay. Um, and organic is always nice, but but bone broth in particular, and the reason is, is you may be familiar with the uh, with the herbicide glyphosate or Roundup. Yep, so I've heard of it. Glyphosate is is widely used in agriculture to spray crops, and when animals eat these crops that glyphosate has a tendency to get deposited in the bones. So it concentrates in those areas. We know glyphosate is toxic. We know it actually causes cancer in people. So if you're going to take bones from conventionally raised animals and then boil yeah. them and leach out all of those nutrients, you're also potentially leaching out a whole bunch of glyphosate, which can be really problematic. So if you use organic bone broth, you shouldn't have that problem. I like organic in general, but the bone broth is one particular thing that it, you really want to focus on because of that issue. I love that. You also touched a little bit on portions because we don't want our dogs to become hairy ottomans. And too much weight puts stress on the joints, opens up, you know, all different diseases. Portions, any tip on portions in regards to longevity? Yeah, absolutely. And, and let me start that comment by saying there is a difference between <laughs> your dog wants to eat and your dog needs to eat. It certainly is <laughs> yeah. different for me. You know, I think everybody enjoys eating as an activity, but that doesn't really necessarily mean that that's what your body needs. So, yeah. you know, maintaining an optimal body weight is really important from a longevity perspective. Excess calories, excess body weight leads to inflammation, insulin resistance, all kinds of problems down the road. So we really want to take every effort to make sure that our pets are maintaining a healthy weight. And there's a number of ways to do that. Some of it's just making sure that you don't overfeed them. And part of that is a willpower issue on our part 
Just because your dog's giving you those puppy dog eyes does not mean that he needs to eat. Yeah. I can't believe we could talk for hours with you, Dr. Uh, Gary Richter. He is the author of Longevity for Dogs. We've got a few minutes left. I want you to crystal ball a little bit. I'm laughing because I'm wearing a new smartwatch. I finally got to the world of every human. Welcome. And, and wearable devices. People are depending on it to see how many steps they've taken, what their heart is, blah, blah, get their little Dick Tracy phone call coming. Boy, am I old. But wearable devices are really starting to gather some attention for our dogs who are out and about with us. What's your take on them? Uh, I'm a big fan of wearable devices. It's actually uh, a technology that I've been looking at very closely looking at putting together a product that that can really make a difference for animals you know so now you have a you have a wearable but i mean the great things about about these wearables is they can give you insight into your health that you were not otherwise aware of how well you're sleeping how many calories you're burning are are you resting well i mean you know you yeah. got 8 hours sleep but was it good sleep you know i mean these are all things that you can then start to tweak your lifestyle when you go to bed when you eat what supplements you take, what have you, to tweak how your body is working and optimize your body function and thus improve your health and, and your aging. That all applies to dogs, but even more so because, of course, our pets are not only nonverbal, but they're going to go out of their way to not tell you when something's wrong with them. So if we can start to get an idea of subtle changes in activity and respiration and heart rate, before yeah. there's overt problems, it gives us a window into how they're doing before they're overtly sick. I personally think wearables are going to be enormous in the pet market. Like I said, I'm, I've, been, I've been working for the past year or so looking for the right technology to put together a product to do this with. That's really the magic in all this is getting the right tech that works well and does what we want it to do. I think that tech is out there and there's a, a couple of companies that I'm talking to right now that look very, very promising. So it's a definitely awesome. sort of a watch this space kind of area yeah. because I think that is going to be a big leap forward in pet care. Wow. You heard it here first from Dr. Gary Richter. And Dr. Gary, I want people to make sure they know how to find you. So as far as the books go, Amazon, anywhere that books are sold, support your, your local independent bookseller. You know, as far as me personally, you can find me at drgaryrichter.com. You can find information about the the food and the supplements that I've formulated at ultimatepetnutrition.com. Very nice. Very nice. You survived an episode with Arden Moore. How do you feel? Younger every day. <laughs> Younger every day. Hey, everybody. We do want to give pause and applause to Dr. Gary Richter for being a guest on our show. Hey, coming up next, it's time for Arden to be under the microscope with Chrissy and Amber of Dog Moms from Dog TV. This is Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life, and they're finally here. Arden has two new books. Pause up, pet pals. Arden Moore here, unleashing my latest books to help you better understand why your pets are doing what they're doing. The books are called The Dog Behavior Answer Book and The Cat Behavior Answer Book. Does your dog have you begging for answers? Are you confounded by your cat's actions? 
You have questions. I have the answers. The books are in a question and answer format. So make sure to get your paws on the Dog Behavior Answer Book and the Cat Behavior Answer Book. Available now at Amazon.com, other great book outlets, and of course, our website, FourLeggedLife.com. Paws up. Hey, welcome back to Four-Legged Life, and as promised, here is a portion of a recent interview with Joy and Amber of Dog Moms, interviewing our very own Arden Moore. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today, because we have a very special episode for you. We are going to interview Arden Moore. That's right. Arden Moore wears many collars in the pet world, including a national radio show host, a podcast host, professional speaker and MC, best-selling author. She's a fear-free certified professional and master pet first aid and CPR instructor. Oh That's my gosh. That's a lot of collars to wear. Holy That's cow. That's a lot. I've only got one here. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know, right? That's impressive. I really can't wait to hear more about that, especially the first aid side, because that's something I need to refresh in my brain. Uh, That's so we're going to talk to her about many things, but also we want to have her give us some safety tips for your dogs. Yeah. And that's why I think Arden Moore is like the perfect guest to have I on know. this episode because she talks so much about pet safety and she's just amazing. So All I right, think well, we let's... should jump to that interview. Well, Arden, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you here. Uh, just for everyone to know, uh, can you t- start t- by telling us like how you first got interested in pet behavior and training? Because that's like the umbrella to all the amazing other things that you do. Well, I had been a journalist, still am, for many, many years. And I went into the field of pet health and behavior writing and got to team up with major veterinarians and behaviorists, you know, the ones with the Vanna White initials after their names because <laughs> they're certified and everything. And they took me under their wing. And I think I've always loved dogs and cats. And why not help others with good science and good training tips to bring a better bond to you and your pet and to keep them healthy? Hmm. So that's how I got into all this. So I'm known as America's pet health and safety coach because I do teach uh, pet first aid and and free and uh, behavior. So I got my girl with me, Kona. (laughs) <laughs> oh, what a cutie. Doing a so little sweet. mild, subtle Halloween costume. She is known as Pet Safety Dog Kona and nickname Ice Cream Kona. Oh, my goodness. I have a cat here who loves dogs. Oh, my gosh. How cute. Her name is Pet Safety Cat Casey. Oh, I now, love why that. Does, why does Kona have a nickname Ice Cream Kona? Because it's just a cool name. And when oh, you good. say that, not like pup cups. All- mm-hmm. Get yeah, him some I mean, pup cups. He's a certified therapy dog. The cat's a certified therapy cat. Wow. And when you go to see kids and you tell her her nickname, you can see them just feel safe. Oh, light up. So it's it's sort of a, it's a fun name. So you said that their nicknames are Pet Safety Casey and Pet Safety Kona. Um, is that because they're involved in some sort of way with your program? Can you tell us about yeah. why and how that works? Pet First Aid for You is my company, and we train everybody from crazy cat ladies to veterinarians in veterinary-approved pet first aid and safety. And I'm pretty lucky. You're looking at the most active 
Safety Cat in America teamed up with Kona, and we do it in person and Zoom now all over the world. Wow. And I think it's pretty fun. We make it fun. We teach you how to be a mutt guyver. What do you do like when that. uh-oh happens and you don't have a first aid kit <laughs> and the clinic is far away? I show you with what you're wearing and around you to actually render aid on the scene. Wow. So I'm very lucky. I got Kona and Casey, a couple of shelter alums, and they <laughs> dig being teachers. So we make a pretty good team. Now, do you do everything from uh, like safety as far as like your nicks and your little cuts while on the trail all the way to like life-threatening injuries yep, that like... Yeah, that's great. So like if you had to do like a tourniquet or something of that regard, you would have that capability to learn that as well. Yeah. And what we are teaching for safety is we teach people how to put pressure on an artery between the heart and the boo-boo instead of a tourniquet because people don't always do it the right way. Right. Amputation. It's turned Uh into tripod. Yes, exactly. That's great, though. No, that's wow. really good. I mean, those that's more than just a, hey, here's a little first aid kit for, like, oh, no. the Band-Aids and the cleaning. It's like, this is some Show you how. really right. big so, information. You your pets, right? And yeah. one of the best gifts you can give your pet is to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. And so I think everyone should take a pet first. And I think life. we all assume those big, scary things won't happen to us, but it's just like insurance. You don't think you need it till you need it. <laughs> You know yeah, what I mean? Right. And so it's like, you, it's one of those situations where you're going to be so grateful to have that knowledge. And I think if we all just took the time to actually do that and not put it on the back burner, it's just going to make us that yeah, better, not 100%. just for us, but other people too. So is exactly. this like a, I, I see it's pet first aid for you is, is your company. Um, is this like a course that someone takes online or like, and what is it in that you go over if someone wants to learn more? It's, we have different levels. It's in-person or interactive on Zoom, and we promise no snoring, uh, <laughs> no uh, death by PowerPoint. Um, it's active, and you're acting like a first responder. So wow. you get a two-year certificate, and it's about a four-and-a-half-hour course. But if you just are a pet parent out there wanting to know a little bit of basics, we also teach a little short course. And if you're really into it, we actually teach a two-day instructor training course. Oh, wow. wow. That's really cool. Is that to be like certified in teaching CPR? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Wow, so you, that's great. Yeah, it's kind of cool. We teach different levels and we make it fun because I don't know about you two, but pet first day can sound pretty scary, right? Mm-hmm. Or boring. So I have rhymes like you never put ice cubes on a dog that's overheated because in the words of our friend, ice, ice, not nice, baby. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I, good to know. I think I'll like take that with me now because I would have yeah. never remembered that. No, right. <laughs> so, now, wow. so because that's how we learn. There's so many different tiers to that, but is there something that for every basic pet parent out there, is there like one tip that you like to share to everybody out there that they should know about first aid? I think they need to get into the habit of doing a head-to-tail check on their pets Mm -hmm. at least once a week, one-on-one without the others, to determine what is normal, to catch a little growth on them or a hot spot, and save money at the vet and extend the life of your pet. And the second takeaway is, I wish we could, but our pets don't live in protective bubbles. They Mm -hmm. They trip, they fall, they get cut, they get bit. So when you approach a dog, they smell your emotional state. Mm. So I tell everybody, I give you all permission to freak out later. 
Yeah, I like it. And then I like the dramatic pause. Oh my gosh, you know. It's so true. As soon as I sigh, they know. Like I'm like, yeah. They're like, they're like, uh oh. It's either ear cleaning nails or something yeah. wrong. And I'm like, ah, they just know. <laughs> well, I found like, I found something happened with one of my dogs who's like extremely sensitive one time where I used to always, when he would get scared, I would say, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, don't worry. Right. It's okay. And guess what? I started saying, it's okay. It's okay. And he would start looking for things to be afraid of. Oh, oh yeah. He started, no. he started thinking like, oh no, it's okay. He means something scary is happening. And I was like, oh my gosh. So now oh I've learned to just like keep it calm. Don't even say anything because yeah. it started creating like this pattern of like something scary is happening right now. And even though it was like my way of being like trying to calm him down, trying to calm myself down, like dogs pick up on those things for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Sure. That sounds awesome. This has been such a fun episode. I think this is like, not only has it been fun, but like how much information you can like so get. So much. There's so many things yeah. to remember. And honestly, like those little things, like you, you don't realize that's how your brain remembers them. And yes. so that's just all those little things are really helpful. And I'm I'm logging it in my brain, my new mom brain. I'm trying to like keep it, keep it in there. You're gonna keep it simple. Break. Keep it yeah. simple. <laughs> keep it simple. Yeah, keep it simple. That's right. And, and just keep the eye on the prize, which is protecting and bringing out the best in your pet. And I she's my best friend, Kona, mm -hmm. and my cat is my BFF. Casey is my best feline friends. So I'm doubly blessed. Absolutely. And we're blessed Gosh. every day to have them. Thank you so much for being with us today, Arden. We hope you have a great rest of your holiday and rest of the year as well. You too. It's so great to be on your show, Chrissy and Amber. Thank you very much. Kona, Thanks so welcome. much, Arden. Bye, Kona. Bye, Kona. Bye, Kona. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for our show today. Big paws up to Dr. Gary Richter. He is an outstanding veterinarian. He is an international best-selling author, and he cares about your cat and your dog. drgaryrichter.com and ultimatepetnutrition.com. Um, I also want to thank all you radio stations coast to coast for airing our show and you, pet pals, for tuning in. Until next time, this is your host, Arden Moore, saying to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there, pause up. Thanks for listening to this episode of Arden Moore's Four-Legged Life. And we'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Tevra Pet, for a happier and healthier pet. Online at tevrapet.com. And also our good friend Janice at Save My Pet ID Tag. Your pets are never alone when you own Save My Pet ID Tag. Online at SaveMyPetIDTag.com. For more information about the host, to listen to past programs, and watch video versions of our guest interviews, our website is FourLeggedLife.com. And have a pawsome week. <laughs>